Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Monday evening, where we have the opportunity to talk the stuff of witness. And this evening, we're going to focus in on uh, youth ministry. I will be doing this with Rob Sheridan, who is involved in youth ministry over at Our Divine Savior. So, Rob, it is great to have you with me this Monday. Oh, it's wonderful to be back, Joe. Yeah, and it's a funny thing, Rob. I was listening to the last time we were together, uh, because of course, if if you are a faithful listener, you know that Rob joined me for uh, four months worth of reflections uh, with Dr. Scott Hahn's work, Reasons to Believe. So that essentially had us engaging the topic of apologetics. The last time we met, in fact, the last points we made on that last uh, episode that we aired back in June was about the need to focus in on the encounter with Jesus Christ and the importance of being formed in the faith. And in light of the article we're going to reflect with this evening, and and we're going to draw from an article written by Jennifer Fitz, what, four or five days ago, Rob, that has been circulating out there in, in the blogosphere and social media. In light of that article, we're going to be really engaging those two very rich topics of encounter and the importance of being formed in the faith. Of course, we do this in the context of, of youth ministry and, and our need to witness to the faith. And So before we get into uh, maybe a summary of the article, Rob, I do want to welcome our international audience who's tuning in by way of podcast. So if you are listening from the countries of uh, Malaysia, the Philippines, Brazil, Argentina, uh, Chile, Peru, England, Italy, Spain, Portugal, France, uh, we welcome you. Again, it's always an honor uh, that you take 30 minutes out of your time, your day, to spend with us reflecting on all of the stuff we talk about here on Seeds of Truth. It really is, is an honor, and I always welcome your feedback. So please do not hesitate to send me your emails to uh, j-h-o-l-l-j-m-j at yahoo.com. I always welcome them. So with that, Rob, Jennifer Fitz had an article that was really engaging the topic of youth ministry, but more specifically, how youth ministry fails. So we're going to be going at it from that aspect so as to see, okay, what do we need to do to make sure our, our ministry works? Yeah, I was uh, scrolling through through Facebook, as I want to do when, uh, when I'm not working, and uh, I came across this headline, How My Parish Youth Group Helped Me Leave the Catholic Faith. And of course, I'm like, that's terrible. So um, <laughs> I, I had to read it, and I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, she's like hitting it on every level. And and she has three main points where where youth ministry kind of failed her. She she was a Catholic. She went through Catholic youth group, and then fell away from the church after after she left high school. She considers herself a revert. And I know there's some of you out there, you know, even I'm a revert sometimes, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. especially right before I get, uh, right after confession. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But she hits, she hits these three, these three points where, where youth ministry can, can fail our young people, um, particularly in the Catholic church. 
uh, the number one point she illustrates is how we can kind of compromise our values mm-hmm. in, in trying to be popular and trying to draw young people into our program where we might compromise saying, okay, it's, it's okay to live together before you get married or homosexual marriage is just fine. Um, these, these kind of little tiny compromises we might make, those are, those are some big compromises, but even, even mm-hmm. some small compromises. The second point she makes is um, that we have this tendency to um, think that Catholic teens can't handle the faith. One of the, one of the classic examples is, listen, you're not supposed to have sex before marriage, but if you do, use protection. Mm-hmm. We, we automatically assume, listen, you're going you're gonna to fail, so just here's a condom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't you know, hold, our, hold our teens to that high standard. And finally, the third one is um, we're not teaching the teens how to defend their faith um, because we get you know, these really gung-ho teens who love God, who love the faith, and they go out into the secular world. They come back from a retreat. They go out to college, and they are assaulted by their atheist teachers, their evangelical friends. They have the Mormons coming through the door on the weekends, and they don't know how to defend their faith. They're asked questions, and they don't have the answers. to mm-hmm. And so these are the three, three of the big failings that we find in youth ministry that, you know, when the kids leave high school, they leave the church, and a lot of parents and other parishioners, we delude ourselves. We say, oh, they'll, they'll be back. And unfortunately, a lot of times they do not come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the things that struck me when I was reading that article, Rob, was uh, how she led with this point about, you know, most programs, that at least the program I was a part of and many programs I'm aware of, have all the trappings of a good program on the surface, but there's really no substance. It made me think about um, our Lord in the fig tree. He has this triumphant entry into Jerusalem, and after he blows through the temple, a very odd thing happens. He curses a fig tree. Why would he curse a fig tree? Uh, Well, first and foremost, the fig tree is symbolic of Israel, and yeah, Israel looked active. It, It had, you know, leaves, okay, but it wasn't producing fruit. So Israel had all of the trappings of spirituality, but there was no substance. And of course, what does, you know, the Lord say in the parable of the two sons, which again is the parable of the the say what you mean and and mean what you say. The basic story is of a man with two sons who told him to go to work in the vineyard, right? The first son refuses, but he later obeys. The second son initially expressed obedience, but actually disobeyed and refused to work in the vineyard. So the son who ultimately did the will of his father was the first. Why? Because he eventually obeyed. Jesus likens this, you know, to the tax collectors and prostitutes, the outcasts of Jewish society, because they believed the Baptist and accepted the quote-unquote, the way of righteousness in spite of their initial disobedience. Uh, The Pharisees, the Sadducees, on the other hand, ah, (laughs) prostitutes and tax collectors enter the kingdom of God before they do. Why? Because the only thing, Rob, they concerned themselves with was their appearance, what was external, what was seen. They did not concern themselves with what lies underneath. Our Lord (laughs) wants us to be able to see the distinction between appearances and reality, uh, the trappings of something 
and the substance of something. And this is really, for me, when I was reading this, Rob, where I was led to go with my reflections, because there are so many, not only youth programs, but just generally, there's a lot of religious education out there, a lot of ministerial programs out there that on the surface appear to be doing something, but in the end, are they producing fruit? They have the leaves, but there's no figs, and this is a problem. It sure is. I, I remember when I, was in, when I was in high school, we used to have a diocesan-wide youth convention, and all the youth groups would get together, and we'd be there in Sacramento, and we'd have mass with the bishop, and uh, we used to choose youth of the year. We would vote on a teen who, who was really exceptional for that year. Mm-hmm. And I remember one year in, in particular, the youth of the year uh, came from this, this program down near the Bay Area, great kid. I knew him, knew him very well. And right after he won that award, he left and joined the Mormon church for, for a girlfriend. And we, we later found that, that, that youth ministry program kind of, kind of collapsed because Mm -hmm. they weren't, they weren't being honest and truthful with their teens. They weren't giving their teens honest faith formation. Mm -hmm. And so substance yes exactly what you're talking about those 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 good fruits that truth that we can just bite our teeth into Mm -hmm. it was it was you know in dietary terms you talk about empty calories and it was a lot of empty Mm. calories amen and and that's very (laughs) bad when you get into youth group you you've got to you can have the frosting on the cupcake you can have that nice stuff but have some carrots have some ribs have Mm -hmm. some mashed potatoes with Mm -hmm. it too yeah, well, to the cupcake and the frosting, I mean, <laughs> have the cupcake with the frosting, right? <laughs> because if you're going to have a more personal encounter uh, with what that frosting's all about, you must have it with the cupcake itself. And this brings us back to that aforementioned word, encounter, right? We have to go out of our way to make sure that we are first and foremost introducing the person of Jesus Christ for who he is. Often where our programs fail is that we take that encounter and we put it second to whatever it is we want to put first, okay? And again, this is really, I think, what this article was all about, because only out from the encounter that grips us are we actually then going to be engaged and uh, desire to be formed in the faith. You know, Rob, as I'm talking about this, as it relates to encounter and substance, I'm, I'm made to think of that classical analogy of, of something you eat. And here we are talking about cupcakes. I mean, if you, if you put uh, the same chocolate chip cookie before two people and you tell the first person to describe that cookie on the outside, they're going to give you uh, a description that is particular to what they see which is going to be different than the second person if I ask them to describe the cookie for me after they bite into the cookie. They're going to speak to the essence of the cookie. Okay, both are describing the cookie, but the one who's describing the essence of the cookie, its sweetness, and the way in which they might be describing it after they've actually bitten into the cookie is what's going to have me eating the cookie. Why? Because that person has come into contact with the essence of the thing itself. And within the context of Christianity, when we bring people into the essence of Christianity, introduce them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, praying for them, this is what it's about. These are why the stakes are high. 
Jennifer Fitz, for all intents and purposes, was never introduced per se, as she talks about it, to the essence of Jesus Christ. And you know, Joe, uh, the, the substance, this encounter with, with Christ, we have to be authentic with, with who Christ is. Because otherwise, uh, Pope Francis, he says this perfectly, without the church, then, then we have a Jesus who would be at the mercy of our imagination. Mm-hmm. And if we're not in line with church teaching, if we're compromising, we are making God in our own image. We are making our own Jesus. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There's, mm-hmm. there's not two ways. There's not two truths. There's not multiple lives. That's right. And, and, and there's one Jesus, and we gotta be, we got to be giving that truth and that authentic love. And sometimes, you know, when you love someone, you got to say things that hurt. Like, you know, the way you're living right now, I love you, but it's, it's, it's hurting you. It's killing you. Don't compromise that truth just to have that kid come back the next week. Mm, that's right. Amen. And in what you just said, <laughs> we go to the person. Out from that reverence, that, that, that piety, out of that love for the person, and say, okay, this is what I see. Give them, as Pope Francis would put it, and I love this point, give them the experience of being listened to. He talked about this beautifully, enjoy the gospel. Give them the experience of being listened to. Engage that dialogue. But when you listen to them and you engage them, do so for the sake of truth out of love. If you genuinely love them, that will come through, Rob. That's so important, especially, and you know this as much as anyone else, in that one-on-one ministry. Our ministry will succeed to the extent that we are first and foremost in God, and out from that understanding how to love. We were created from love for love, and apart from love, we will not understand what God is asking us to do. And if we bring this love into our ministry, uh, you said it, sometimes there is hard love. But if our dis- disposition is disarming in the way we approach them and we follow the gospel, we take them off to the side. We don't, you know, bring it with all the bells and whistles. We take them off to the side and we engage them one-on-one. Um, and we do so for the sake of love, for the sake of love and truth, because we do not compromise. It's important here to note, Rob, that when we talk about the teachings of the church. We're not talking about some sort of, you know, institutional, punitive, authoritarian. We're talking about a mother who loves. And sometimes a mother has to pull her child aside and say, you want to know what? What you're doing right now is very dangerous to your soul. We are all sinners. (laughs) We are all sinners. And so in her doctrine, whatever that doctrine might be, We need to present this as ultimately, and I think this is very important, Rob, as an invitation. We can't get in the way of truth. When we're in that one-on-one ministry, we can't get in the way of it. We have to present it as something inviting. And what renders that invitation is that disarming disposition, and it starts with love. Doctrine is not about something, but about someone. Engage them. Encourage that encounter. Well, yeah, and that's and that's where the second point comes in is is challenging the the teens to live up to those high standards because, like you said, the doctrines are not about something; they're about someone, and that someone is Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He heals and he liberates us. Mm-hmm. And you know, for me as as a youth minister, 
you know, Pope Francis, he calls the church a clinic and I'm like a nurse in the clinic, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe you want to describe me as an old sawbones. I don't know, whatever. (laughs) But, but, you know, if a doctor or nurse comes up to you and is like, Hey, that arm's gangrene, let's chop it off. And he runs at you with an ax. You're going to head for the hills. Yeah, Yeah. But no, it's about that, that bedside manner, that pastoral care. And when teens walk in, you, you love them right where they are. And you say, Hey, I understand that you're right here and that's okay but do you want to stay here forever or do you want to move forward? Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to sit on the Barca lounger with the with the phone in your hand playing freemium games mm-hmm. or do you want to get up? Do you want to move? Do you want to go out into the world? Do you want to encounter people? Do yeah. you want to make things happen? And that's what that challenge is. It really is. I mean, what we're talking about right now is raising that bar. And when you raise the, the bar, teens will reach higher and go farther, bottom line. But if you lower it, they, they, they won't know what to do. They're literally going to trip over it, and it'll become a stumbling block. This was one of the most frustrating things in, for me when I was in high school, just in, in a lot of my academics, is where the teachers would kind of teach to the lower students, and, the, and those who were ready to rise to the challenge were left were left bored mm-hmm. and, and didn't have anything left to do. And so they would get into trouble and it would be everyone kind of down at the bottom. But when the teachers would raise the bar, the top students, they would rise to meet that challenge and they would bring the other ones who needed help with them. That's right. You know, when I was teaching junior high, Rob, we had a program that we started, I think it was my second year there, an accelerated reader program. The whole idea behind it was that for those who were advanced in their reading and comprehension skills, could accelerate and could grow and expand, and it really just took off. And what happened? The other kids saw how far these more advanced students were going, and they wanted to follow that train. And they did. And they did. And ultimately, what ended up happening was they were scoring off the charts. They were scoring off the charts on their literacy and comprehension skills. So this is what it's about. I mean... Our Lord raises the bar, and that's the challenge again. Challenges exist so as to be overcome. Provocatio in the Latin, they call us forth, they call us out. Our Lord presents to us, Rob, you, me, and all of our listeners, He presents to us challenges each and every day. And in those challenges, we need to embrace them for what they are, as gifts to us, so that we might become... Uh, that best version of who God is calling us to be. So important. Yeah, absolutely. You you know, when I get challenges, sometimes I'm like, oh, these darn challenges. We've got a challenge in my house right now. We're fostering this this little puppy. And we're not dog people, and I've been I've been grumbling about it. And my wife keeps reminding us. Well, honey, remember that God is teaching us a lesson here for free. That we are not dog people. How awful would it have been had we gotten a dog and we were keeping it, and we realized we're not dog people and we don't want to keep this this poor animal. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know these challenges they they teach us lessons, and 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 uh, rather than getting all grumbly about them. Thank you. Thank you, God, for giving me that challenge. It was mm-hmm. a tough lesson, but I've learned it, and I, I thank you for that lesson. Now I'm going to go to confession for my grumbling. <laughs> and who are we to challenge God? Yeah. I mean, the, the Father knows best, and sometimes, yes, we throw our temper tantrums, but um, when we are rooted in that living relationship with God, Rob, we do begin to see these things for what they are, the challenges for what they are. 
Rob, I wanted to touch upon another point here, this point that we were talking about before we came on air here, and that's regarding how we think about good or goodness. Certainly one of the things that Jennifer Fitz seems to be hinting at is this the idea that, well, I do good things, therefore I'm a good person. Why do I need to go to youth group, huh? Well, I want to address this in two ways. First, we must understand, Rob, that not every good is a willed good. So while you might be thinking you're doing a good thing and that's the will of God, not necessarily, because there's lots of goods that we can be doing, but how do we know that it's the good that God wants us to do? Well, the only way we know that is if we are being formed in that more personal relationship with Christ out from that ongoing encounter in Christ, huh? Not every good is a will good. By way of illustration, I think about often my encounters that I have with my children. My son, he says to me, Rob, you know, I want to pull some weeds, Dad. I say to him, that's a good thing, son. That's a good thing, Colby. But I need you to do something else for me right now. That's a good, but it's not a willed good for this moment. This is very important. And the second piece here, Rob, and this is the point we were talking about before, is, you know, we say, why do bad things happen to good people? Should we not say, why do good things happen to bad people? And by that, what are we illustrating? That first and foremost, we are only good to the extent that we see what we do in the goodness of Jesus Christ. By nature, we are concupiscent. We have an inclination to sin. Sin is a bad thing. We need God's goodness. And so God's goodness comes to us so that we might be born anew in his life and his love. So we say, why do good things happen to bad people? Because God's goodness, God's grace. And if we think bad things are happening to good people, well, then you can apply it uh, similarly. Ultimately, if it's a bad thing, maybe we should think about how we think about bad. (laughs) Often uh, we trip up and it's God just sticking out his foot. So this is all very important. I'm also made to think about St. Thomas Aquinas as we're talking about this. You know, St. Thomas Aquinas says, what? Our good acts are simply God crowning his own gifts. I think that highlights our point. Amen to that. Well, yeah, and, and, and those come along with, with that challenge. We just have to have that Christ-centered mindset to, to, to see that all things that happen are for God's greater glory for those who love him. Amen. Everything. Amen. Everything. There's there's this song by by this group called the OC Supertones and uh it, there's a lyric that goes, I don't always thank you for the good times or the bad times in my life even though I should. Um I want to thank you for every moment of your creation cuz what you made is good. Mm-hmm. And 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 every single moment is God's creation. And mm-hmm. it is it is good even when we are in the midst of of suffering. Mm-hmm. Joyce in my sufferings for your sake, for they make up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. And, yeah. And 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 if for the greater building up of the kingdom of God. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's and, right. And coming back to the youth ministry, you know, this is this is something I dealt with in, in, in high school. I was it was in class and I would get challenged by teachers, by students, um, where they would just they would lambaste me for being Catholic. I wear our retreat shirts, you know, mm-hmm, and say mm-hmm. Brother Rob, 100% Catholic yeah, on the yeah, back. Yeah. <laughs> I have the Pope on it. People would be making fun of me. 
right and left. Teachers mm. would call me out in class, and, and I would say, why, why is God allowing this to happen to me? Mm-hmm. But what did it do? Made me study my faith, because when mm-hmm. people were digging right. on me yeah. for, you know, if it's an evangelical digging on me for priestly celibacy, or a former Catholic teacher just, you know, the Catholic church is misogynistic and yada yada. Well, what did that do? It made me learn my faith Mm -hmm. so that I could not only pass it on and challenge them in class and say, hey, you're wrong, and this is why we do this, and this is what we really do, and this is what we really believe. It allowed me to share it with with my friends in youth group, Mm -hmm. and which brought me to become a core leader and then a a youth minister as I am now. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. another goal, goal of youth ministry is to make it so that people, young people can defend their faith. That's right. When they are attacked. And, and let me tell you, in today's day and age, the persecutions are coming, and they are coming harder. Mm-hmm. We are seeing it around the world, and mm-hmm. we are seeing it mm-hmm. in, in America. And I, I, I tell you, I don't know if I could have been a Catholic teenager today. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And mm-hmm. those, those teens who are in my program, who are struggling, who are in the, in the St. John's program, who are living their faith, mm-hmm. man, I have so much respect for them. I yeah. just have mad respect for them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and part of what we do at ODS is is we've we've got our, our Bible study on Wednesday where we go deep. It's called Dive Deep Bible Study. Mm-hmm. We go deep into Scripture and we teach them their faith. Mm-hmm. This semester, we're talking all about the sacraments. We're, mm-hmm. uh, we went an overview on what the sacraments were today. Next week, we're talking about baptism. We go in deep so that the teens not only know their faith, that they can internalize it, and they can defend it. And let me tell you, when you know your faith, you're able to see Christ clearer, and you're able to recognize those encounters. Yeah, and it has you going deeper in that more uh, God-ordained courtship. I mean, this is the beauty. John Paul II talked about this beautifully on one occasion. You know, when you defend your faith, and, and you're defending not something again, but someone you are drawing closer to that someone, and that someone, of course, is the person of Jesus Christ. And so in that way, um, evangelization, apologetics, and catechesis all are ordered to the encounter. It's, it's foundational. And it really brings us back full circle, Rob, because as we talk about why ministry is failing, uh, because of the compromise, because of the acquiescence to uh, this culture of death, there's a tendency to look at peace as something that it is not. We compromise because we don't want to deal with conflict. We want to be at peace. Now, the Christian and Catholic faith says peace is the goal of, of, of the Christian life in one hand. What is that about? Well, peace is not just the absence of the conflict or, or the absence of warfare. Rather, it's spiritual welfare. Literally translated in Scripture, it is covenant harmony with God. So it's not the absence of the storm, okay, but it's the courage that comes out from that personal relationship with God that looks into the eye of the storm and says, peace, be still, huh? And so it is for this reason, Rob, that we need to put the encounter with the essence of our faith, which is a person at the forefront of our ministry, and out from that encounter our teens will desire God, and they'll look forward to those storms. They'll look forward to that challenge. Amen. 
And if you are out there and uh, you are interested in volunteering with youth ministry, or you've got a young person who uh, is looking to get involved in a youth group, uh, we meet every Sundays at noon at Our Divine Savior Church. You can email me at odsyouthministry at yahoo.com. And, and really, it's, it's such a rewarding experience. I wouldn't do it for 13 plus years if it, if it, if it wasn't not only a way for me to get fed, but to also feed the church. So uh, we'd love to see you. And what about that scripture study, Rob, you mentioned Wednesday night? Yes, Wednesday nights at 7 to 8.30. It's the Dive Deep Bible Study. Uh, we just got finished. Uh, we've been making our way from Adam to, to Revelation, and we just got finished with Abraham. So uh, come come join us and, and uh, go really deep into scripture. I'm talking really deep. Amen. Well, Rob, thank you for the gift of your time. Oh, thank um, you for having me, Joe. Much appreciated. It's, it's, always, it's always a joy. Let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth. Heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.